Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, and I just thought, yeah, Celtic are always going to have players of Henrik Larsson's calibre. And, and I was sat with the Lazio fans who were all just like fucking seething, obviously. Like a boy from Leicester, I'm like, this this feels so far out of whack with reality. There's no ransom raving about fucking centre-backs not scoring enough goals. Going to um, yeah, interview Del Piero in um, Indonesia. And it's, and it's like, you know, that objectively, that is a fucking cool thing to do. I have given myself to, to football and to YouTube and to like content for the last five years and it does come at a uh, slight personal cost i think that's one of one of the biggest tricks your own mind can play on you whether it's like a, a physical condition or a mental condition it tricks you into thinking you're a member of this exclusive club it was like having casual conversations about it that began to, to help i guess or tell it you know telling my girlfriend how i really felt Yes, people, welcome to the Football and Feelings podcast. I am your host, Liam. On this podcast, we aim to show the deeper side to your favourite creators, fans, former players, and my guest for this episode. I am here with the man with the the, the neatest to do on football YouTube, but he's wearing a hat today. I'm gutted. <laughs> the uh, the silver tongued chin wagger crowned top man Leicester's employee of the year 2009. It's the <laughs> lovely Chris Hamill. How are you, sir? <laughs> Oh, mate, I was never employee of the year at, at Top Man. I was, an, <laughs> I, I was a stinking employee. I was, I was forever hiding in the toilet with a with a flake, just just wondering what I'm going to do with my life post <laughs> post working in retail. I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, I'm I'm slobbing it out today. Sorry that I didn't didn't get the barnet sorted for you. How are you? It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm good. I'm all good. My end, mate. And no, I reckon you were you were a good top man employee. If I saw you in there, I'd be straight to the the two for ten pound button V necks with the multicolored trims on. The, the kid, ones. kids I'd now won't understand. Like they are so much better dressed than than me and my friends were at 17, mm. 18. Like you see kids cutting around now that are like 13, 14 and Carhartt, Stussy, a bay, like premium streetwear. When back in the day, like you said. You went, you went top, man. You got the two for 10. You got the t-shirt with Rihanna on it. That's uh, it. Yes, uh, the chinos, you, uh, yes. And you thought you were the bee's knees. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But what, this t-shirt was... that says Miami on it? Yeah, I had it in Miami. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nothing was more crippling, mate, than rocking up at top, man, and being told, like, you're on the fitting rooms for the next four hours, listening to, like, Ooh. two doors down, I think <laughs> I'm in luck, just on repeat. And it, so, yeah, I'm glad that chapter of my life is over. <laughs> Sounds all right to me. But um, I've got to ask this, first of all, and I'm, I apologise if you get this question a lot, but how are you getting that hair typically looking drop-dead gorgeous? <laughs> You know what? I'm getting a bit conscious of how far it's going back, but I, I think I've, I just forget that I've always had a massive forehead. Um, <laughs> I, it is it is a, a little bit of a little bit of TLC in the morning, so it's mousse after it's wet, right. bit of mousse, hair dryer. So let me just write this down. Yeah, and then when it's 95% dry, don't go don't go all the way dry. Don't go bone dry. A little bit of uh, powder in there. Just to give it a little nice. bit of volume. What like the 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 dust 
stuff you mean yeah the dust the dust stuff and then um i get a, get a little hairbrush 361 and uh, spray it with a bit of hairspray back we go out the fucking door there we go the secret i've got it, out, mate, I've, got it I've got it in i've got it down into like under seven minutes that's not that's impressive actually it takes me longer to do mine just because i'm, I'm very precise over where it goes but it always looks mm. awful one of those things that look better the less time you spend on it normally you've got a strong hairline bro I, you need to embrace that <sighs> to be honest mate this is not going anywhere my dad's my dad's nearly 60 he's got the straightest hairline he's only just starting to go gray it's um but isn't it's, it isn't it your mum's dad that you take after Oh, okay. That's a very different story. He's as bald <laughs> as you like. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, now I'm scared. I'm sweating. Oh, Go God. <laughs> okay, right. Let's let's dive into it. I want to um, start with a bit of football chat. I want to see how your your love for the game that we all love, how did that develop? Uh, not until a little bit later, to be honest. Um, I was a bit of a an odd child like I just liked my mum my mum would just tell me you just you just like playing by yourself and I think that's why I just became quite bossy because I, I never had to uh never had to concede power to anyone when, when I was growing up um my, my dad was a huge Celtic fan and his parents were from Glasgow they're from uh, the Cope Bridge area uh, they moved down to Leicester I, I take it because uh, of job opportunities I never really asked that question. Uh, I'm sure I'll learn it in the future at some point, but the docks closed in Glasgow and there wasn't as many jobs and there was, there was quite a lot of um, Scottish exports uh, in, in the Midlands, you know, a lot of second, third, fourth generation Scots there now. And yeah, he, he I remember probably around 2000, 2001, getting into it, which obviously coincided nicely with Celtic winning the treble, Martin O'Neill coming to the club. Uh, and I just thought, yeah, Celtic are always going to have players of Henrik Larsson's calibre, Chris Sutton, <laughs> John Hartson, Stylian Petrov, Champions League winner Paul Lambert, uh, Bobo Baudi, who could head it further than he could kick it. Like, what a monster he was. Um, Mialbi, Val Garen, like all these, all these like genuinely good players, a team of like alpha males, uh, if you will. You've got Scott Brown I, behind you, I can see at that. At least what I perceive to be. Yeah. There he is. I mean, yeah, he. my love for him came a little bit later. Um, and, and then and then things took a little bit of a, a bit of a nosedive. You know, I think it was the, the run to the UEFA Cup that well and truly sowed my love for Celtic. John Hartson's goal at Anfield, you know, like beating Liverpool, beating Graeme Souness's Blackburn, where he'd mm. spent a fortune. Like I, I took all this when I was young as, as a given. Um, and then, you know, quickly realised in my mid-teens that it wasn't and, and saw us lose nearly every away game in Europe. Uh, and yeah, it, losing to like Utrecht and FC Sion and getting like beat by Poznan, but then getting through on a technicality. Like, so it's, there's, there's been some ups and downs since, but um, but yeah, Celtic are a, a brilliant, brilliant club to support. A lot of people like tend to, oh, but you have to watch Scottish football each week. But um, mm. the Celtic community more than make up for that. And they are one of the, the best fan bases in the world. Obviously, my opinion is, is quite partisan, but they've literally been awarded by UEFA and FIFA, the best fans on on several occasions. So it's there in black and white, mate. So yeah, it's that sense of community. It's it's that sense that, um, that the club are quite polit politically active. It, there's, there's, there's that 
feeling amongst the fans that it's not just about football. There's the Celtic FC Foundation who do a lot of good work. Um, obviously, they've they've been quite divisive in, in their politics, but th- there's a humanity amongst the Celtic fans, which I don't mm. think you find at many other clubs. Uh, and that's what's kind of kept me, even in the absence of like physically being able to go to Parkhead, um, s- sort of connected mm-hmm. to, the, to the Celtic family now. Do you, uh, do you get there often? Obviously not now, but in, in recent years, it's quite a trip for you. It is. It, from from Leicester when I was younger, like the the nine hour drive to Parkhead, um, funnily enough, my dad wasn't willing to do it to go and watch us smash Kilmarnock or St. Mirren. <laughs> um, my, my first game was against Aberdeen um, when Craig Bellamy scored a, a volley at the death, I think, and we won 3-2. Um, I've also, I don't think I've ever seen us lose at, at Parkhead. Maybe I'm a lucky Ooh. child, mate. I was there for the Barcelona game and we won 2-1. Um my dad and my cousin, who I go and stay with when we watch Celtic, uh, only told me that I wouldn't be sitting with them when we got to the stadium and they went oh, off to the director's well. box and I, I used his, I sat with his friends uh, <laughs> and, and and watched from, from his season ticket uh, seat. But, but nonetheless, like what an unreal night. Like I remember looking up at the scoreboard after Tony Watt scored and seeing like Celtic 2, Barcelona nil and just thinking... Like I'm, I'm dreaming, like looking at the scoreboard and not believing it, like just totally dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen as you know, beat Villarreal and Nakamura. I was like, that's a good Villarreal side, Marcos Senna in, in, in midfield. And a couple of games when they've come down to, to Leicester was like my first taste for it. I think that was part of the deal for Martin O'Neill going up to, uh, to Celtic, actually getting a couple of friendlies in against Celtic. <laughs> but um, I went away actually to Stadio Olimpio last season nice. and, and sat with the Lazio fans which um, obviously not as a Celtic fan because I didn't fancy yeah. getting shivved. But, yeah. um, but that was some experience because uh, we won in the last minute, which was, again, doesn't happen to Celtic away in Europe. First time they've won in Italy. Oh, and, wow. and I was sat with the Lazio fans who were all just like fucking seething, obviously. But um, yeah, there's an anger. There's an anger in that fan base, <laughs> mate. A politically fueled anger. Yeah. Um, so yeah, don't don't get there a lot. But as I said, Celtic are such a global club that you're only a stone's throw away from a a, a supporters club. Mm-hmm. It's it's ridiculous. There's there's one in Covent Garden that I go to, and do you know what's fucking cosmic? Seeing like fans of Arsenal and Tottenham come in and and watching them be told that their game isn't going to receive preference in this in this bar situated in the centre of London because this is a Celtic <laughs> Celtic club, and they're like, what do you mean? Like Arsenal are playing whoever, Man United, mm. and they'll have like Celtic versus Sparta Prague up on the 70 inch. And I'm just like, oh. yeah. And this and this is because we're a proper club, Tottenham fans. <laughs> yeah, those go, little go, victories. Yeah, exactly, mate. Those little moral victories. <laughs> uh, that, that's that's what I hang on to. But but yeah, mm. don't go as much as I, as I want, but it's, it's it's not hard. It's not hard to still to still feel connected. Mm-hmm. Have you? Do you feel like you have sort of flown the flag for the Scottish Premiership? Because a lot of people, like you just said, see it as underappreciated. Um, and then at times people see it, or not at times, right now people see it as monopolistic because of mm. Celtic's reign. Um, is it like? Is it a hard sell for people? <laughs> I'm definitely not flying the flag. I'd be lying <laughs> out of my fucking teeth if I said I was, I was flying the flag. Like um, I am not. When I was when I was younger, like I obviously in the playground. I remember when Nike announced their Sky, uh, Sky deal, uh, Celtic announced their Nike deal, and I walked in just like like fucking Conor McGregor, as, <laughs> as if like 
I remember that specifically using that as rationale for like, I told you we're a massive club. Like we're sponsored by Nike now, boys, like drink it in. Um, so, so there was that, there was, there was those like, little petty arguments that, that, that were easy to kind of win, I suppose, in the, in the, in the early noughties that um, Celtic could easily survive and thrive in the Premier League. Now, not so sure it is getting harder. Like the, mm -hmm. the, the TV revenue in the, in the Premier League is, is, um, is, is such that you can't, it's, it's a struggle to even put together hypotheticals, right? Um, so yeah, not, not flying the flag. I do think that there's, there's much more talent in, in the, in the Scottish Premier League than, than people probably, uh, want to ad admit or, or attest mm -hmm. to. And, and there's been some obviously very good exports from Celtic and Rangers that have gone on to, to play very well in the Premier League. So I do think it's becoming a, an increasingly interesting space. Like if I was a, 18 to 20 year old uh, in one of the development sides for 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 the bigger teams and I saw my pathway blocked to the first team I would absolutely go to Celtic and Rangers possibly even Aberdeen Hibs I mean Hearts are in the second division now so not so much them um who is it uh Max Lowe who played for Derby last season mm -hmm. he went on loan to Aberdeen got into the Derby team as a result now he's at Sheffield United uh, obviously, I don't need to kind of list the the Van Dykes, the Wanyamas. Like they yeah. will, they they tell their own story. Um, but I would absolutely be going up to to Scotland if I was in that scenario. Uh, and and Celtic's whole recruitment plan is is based around that. Now we've taken kids from Arsenal. Obviously, Jeremy Frimpong's already already like on the radar of a lot of big clubs. Excellent again against Lille at right back. He was he was in Man City's development squad and knew he wasn't going to get into the team. Uh, and we'll likely sell him back to a top half team in the Premier League. So I, I kind of accept that that's our model now. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't mean you can't innovate and, and be interesting with it, right? Which I, which I do think Celtic are doing, uh, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. As a fan, would you rather see Celtic winning it, the, the, the league every year? Or would you rather there be that balance just to bring a bit more excitement, a bit more, um, maybe mm. not, not more passion, I suppose. I think that's, that's the wrong word, but you know what I mean. No, I think I think Rangers, Celtic need Rangers to be good to drive mm. them forward as a club. Like, um, there's no way that Rangers should even be in sight this season. Like, if if we'd had been really, really diligent and really ambitious every summer since since their demise in 2012, was it um, with the whole Sevco thing? Yeah, I, I'm not. I, like I think it's funny, and I, and I enjoy like antagonising Rangers fans, but I'm not one of those Celtic fans that would like to see us run away with it every single year. Um, like I've got those painful memories of uh, was it Helicopter Sunday? Is that what it was called? Uh, Celtic lost the title on the last day because they lost to Motherwell. Rangers won it because I think maybe they beat the likes of Dundee United, and like that's a terrible memory for me. But it's mm. a strong emotional like a memory that I can resonate with and that that's what gives you that that grounding as a fan and that's what you, you can draw from that you, you, that's what you want to compare things to moving forward and I remember sort of uh when Tommy Burns died and Celtic managed to turn it round in the last nine games of the season and you had um What's his name? Jean Benegor of Hesselink scoring a winning goal against Rangers in the in the last old firm game of the season, pointing towards the sky and like and and it just meant more. Um great. Yeah, it's great. Brendan Rogers definitely brought more to the club. Definitely mm. professional like professionalized it, made his more tactically fluid or whatever. But 
I, some some days I just I just opted to watch Leicester instead or opted to watch the Premier League instead, like because because I knew chances are we're going to roll this side over. I could watch the highlights and you know what. I'm talking about this Premier League game tomorrow, so I'm not going to go out of my way to to make my you know schedule more convoluted. But um, yeah, I don't mind. So I don't mind the struggle. And I don't mind the competition. Like I, I welcome mm. it. Yeah, excellent, great stuff. Um, now I want to touch on life pre football daily for you. Sort of how you how you earn your stripes. Really, how did the opportunity come about? First of all, to work at Football Daily was it a was it like a standard application process? Was it a, if you know the right person, then that helps you sort of thing? Oh, no, no. I didn't really see it as an opportunity either. I'm trying to get my lighting right. Um, like I was very much of the opinion that I'm, I'm going to do this for three to six months and then get out of it. Like I just needed right. some money because um, I just spent all my savings going to the New York Film Academy. Because mm-hmm. um, my, uh, my, so my dad passed away in like 2015 and I've been at a... Um, I'd been at an advertising agency for a couple of years and advertising is so archaic, mate. It's this like the same people doing the the same job or looking after the same accounts for 10 years. And all I, I was ambitious. All I, all I wanted was to see progression and it was blocked a couple of times. Um, you know, this senior writer saying, like, I'll take you under my wing, I'll take you under my wing. And then, and then someone telling him, no, you can't do that because that takes up your time. I need your time spent on this account. Um, so, so just to clarify, great people there but it's it's not i don't know if I, I, i'm not mr advertising i don't know if this is a, is a general rule of thumb but um yeah not doesn't lend itself uh as, a, as an atmosphere where you can sort of grow professionally maybe mm-hmm. um so yeah after my old man died, i was like okay i'm gonna i'll carry on doing this for a little bit but i, I need to do something for myself i'm gonna like respond as, as positively as i can to this to scenario right so i gave it kind of you know eight to ten months afterwards and then did a three-month filmmaking course in in new york because one of my big regrets at university was not doing a more practical course so i'd done and i picked my university course pretty haphazardly i actually had chinese studies in there as well to start with film and chinese studies like i i i why not the brain the mind boggles me <laughs> yeah. um yeah learning mandarin turns out it's pretty fucking hard um, <laughs> it is yeah i've tried for a year and it is very difficult it gets harder as well somehow the more you learn uh, yeah i was absolutely fucking off my face in a, in a chinese restaurant in um in soho <laughs> the other day and i was and i was just trying to read off everything i could remember and the waitresses and waiters were fucking pissing themselves i was just like <laughs> i like swimming my mum's a lawyer like out loud that's all i could remember i like hamburgers um but yeah just just to go back to your your point um yeah i was disappointed that i hadn't, I hadn't done something more practical at university because that's where i excelled like theory essays like I, I could fine i could get by like i was naturally like reasonably intelligent but like i didn't excel didn't necessarily push myself in that regard it, it felt like it felt very arbitrary. Like, why mm. am I writing this essay about how Ang Lee's The Hulk relates to the, you know, current political climate and what in whatever, you, you know. Um, so yeah, I wanted to do something really hands-on. And New York was in- incredible, mate. Class. Mm-hmm. Like, even thinking about it, like you could I like I can almost feel it. Um I remember one of my student videos i put out something on um back backstage back it was it's was, it was a website where you, you you basically go and find young directors go and find young actors and like overnight I had like 200 applicants 
And then like the next day I was doing like, um, what they called when you have people in Jesus, I've just forgot the term for it. Like auditions. Okay. And like yeah. people are auditioning to be in a my student film, and I'm sat there like you know Billy Big Bollocks, and they they want to be in this, and they're like going through these roles and monologues, and I'm like, like a boy from Leicester, I'm like this this feels so far out of whack with reality, like I'm like, and it's kind of pinged in my head like, oh, this is how things happen, like it's not necessarily that you these things aren't available to you, it's you're not in the right place or you're not mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with the right people, um, and like you can take yourself off to the opportunity like your physical location does matter so when i had that sort of brainwave i was like fuck it let's go i've got to go to london it's the only city in the uk that that compares um and what how i found football daily was um just came across them on this website called production base it was like editor needed to create football videos for youtube and i was like fucking hell if i can't do that i can't really do much um <laughs> so so it's blowing me out so um Oh, spooky. Um, so I eventually just, yeah, submitted a, a CV. Uh, one of my, um, <laughs> one of my interviews was like, how many of these 10 footballers can you name? And it was John Babb uh, teeing me up uh, uh, with this like word document. And I got 10 out of 10. And then I changed, um, I changed fucking, who was it? Oh, John Altridge to, who did John Altridge play with? Ian, Ian Rush. I got them two mixed up, and they were like, "No, that's fine. Like, that, 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 that's that's pretty, pretty <laughs> niche. Uh, clearly, you know your football." Uh, and got the job, and I, I was a competent editor then. I wasn't great. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I'd done it at university. Like, I'd worked for the worked for. I'd volunteered for the student television station, and a lot of lot of um, guys there had imparted wisdom into me that I hadn't learned on my course. Um, I did yeah, learn sort of the the essentials of filmmaking and narrative and, and and that sort of stuff in, in new york so i had a, an okay skill set but um you know they weren't that the money was low so like they weren't looking for anyone with great experience and uh, along i came and and we sort of took it from there and and the reason that we that we were able to take it to the another level was just because we got from there on in it was just like complete kind of creative freedom um and it was it was it was me, Pat, and Joe to start off with. Yeah, great stuff, great stuff. I I, I want to touch on your experience in New York because that's that's mm. a place that is top of my top of my list at the moment of places I want to go. I imagine for you there was this this unreal feeling of being in one of the world's biggest creative bubbles at that yeah. point, especially for you to try and hone your craft. Do you remember? that whole experience very vividly and also was it the um was it like was it the thing that you needed at that stage in your in your grievance period after your, after your dad passed away did that help you sort of expand your your look on on life as a whole no, that's a great question I, I definitely needed something to look forward to like a belief that it's not mm. all just gonna be this black hole of despair like i that's, I think that's how generally I respond to shit's going wrong. It's like, let me make a list and let me get as much of this list done as possible in as little time as possible. Like, let's just get to fucking work. Um, so I needed something to look forward to, for sure. Um, and like what, like I said before, when I think about New York, it was, I don't think I comprehended at the time how special it was, but it was, it was special. And it, I had I got the rub of the green. Like I ended up staying with some 
really eccentric people and people that you can be in a big city and and feel alienated right like when i first got there i felt like Stuart little like i'd never seen a fucking skyline like it like it's so claustrophobic it is mm. literally falling down on you and you can easily like i said feel alienated or a little bit overwhelmed but i ended up staying at, um i found this house on in the financial district uh on what's it called airbnb and I knew that it was going to be a little bit bohemian because it was called the Treehouse on nice. uh, on Airbnb. But when I got there, it was fucking ridiculous, mate. Like um, <laughs> this woman, Leah, who is this like, her, I think her handle on Twitter or Instagram is like the Jewish cowgirl. She like She's like playing a guitar on top of a horse. Um, and, and she sent someone out to come find me. They took me off to like Justino's Pizza, it was called. I had a great pizza, like slice of pizza when I first got there because I was, I was starving. Um, and they took me back to the, the Treehouse. And they were like, Fucking fly my room. They're like, this is your this is your room. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, who's that sleeping on the sofa though? That was like 10 yards from a door. And they were like, oh, that's um it, what was it? What was his name? That's it was a Brazil, it was a Brazilian. What was his name? Oh, I'm gonna be so annoyed with myself if I don't remember his name. I will get it in a second. I've got him saved in my phone. Uh they were like, that's he just sleeps here sometimes. Uh, and it turned out like he was a Brazilian uh, saxophone player who played like gigs at, at local bars and stuff. And he needed somewhere to crash. And like two days later, he took me to play five a side with all his friends. And, uh, and that was just like, again, I got to know different parts of the city and, and different people just, just by straight away being immersed in like a really colorful mm. array of characters. Like a week later, there was, she had like this, this massive fat Italian lad round called Frank making his these like huge meatballs and stuff. Uh, and then like he would take us to like a little restaurant or a little bar or something that, that he knew. And you get these like little snippets, these little tidbits and it's, it makes you feel much more at home. Uh, so I guess I was fortunate in the way that I had this like network immediately by, by proxy, right. Um, through staying at the treehouse. But um yeah just just being in the school the new york film academy like it, it was just, it was a stuff of dreams it was i went you know grew up in leicester um to be honest anything to do with the arts probably perceived as a little bit fruity for want of a better word uh you, you're seen as an eccentric like mm -hmm. no one does drama at school the drama department doesn't even take itself seriously uh, my mum had a, a dance school so and i i used to to go to that dance school and i used to you know enjoy i guess being um the center of attention um when i when i was doing little performances but then you get to about nine ten and you're like okay oh, oh well, i should be playing football I, I shouldn't be doing this and that's just the general consensus and you're not encouraged to to kind of think otherwise and it's not that my my parents forced that upon me but you, you kind of go with your your peers you know i wasn't individual individualistic at, at nine ten years old i was like all right now I, now i play football but then going going back to this school year, the New York Film Academy, you walk in and there's people rehearsing lines together on the left. Someone playing piano in a, in a room on the right, and someone's doing like um, perform, you know, performative dance, um, expressive dance, or whatever. And then you've got uh, a, a corner of people in the room like going over all this equipment together and and practicing, you know, setting it up and and getting getting everything finely tuned and getting it right. And you're like, this is this is the environment I, I, I realise now that I've always wanted to be in. So yeah, it was kind of a bit of an ep epiphany. And and it, it, it took a matter of days before I felt like 
like shit this is going to be really good for me even if it's not what i necessarily do somewhere down the line mm-hmm. um so yeah kind of throwing myself into that environment i guess then spurred me on to have the courage to to move from london uh, from leicester to london um because it felt you know in comparison a relatively small step yeah yeah of course do you feel like that experience then in new york and maybe parts of your background in advertising did that do you think that built your character more so than maybe your uni uni days did in sort of preparation for your for your current role now yeah if i'm going to be honest with myself oh my voice <laughs> if i'm going to be on, honest with myself uh i didn't do enough at university just didn't do enough like i was happy to happy that i found a great group of lads um I mean, that's pretty priceless. Like I'm still close with them now. Mm. Like I was playing Call of Duty with them last night till two o'clock in the morning. Like one's in Canada, one's in the, in the US, um, one's just down the road. Uh, I never see him. Um, <laughs> so that's that's pretty priceless. And and in that sense, university is very is very unique in that in, in that sense, finding and forming lifelong friendships. Mm-hmm. But didn't push myself. It's easy to say I wasn't pushed. But the reality is, university, like you, you're of the age, and you should be of a like s- sufficient intelligence that you you know you have to push yourself. Um, I did so, some stuff with the student television station, like I said, and that mm-hmm. that improved me as an editor. Like I learned some practical skills there, and that's why my advice to people that go to university is always go and join as many, go and try as many things as possible, like outside of your curriculum. Um, go and join as many student-led things as possible because they're the people that are going to be like entrepreneurial. They're the people that are going to uh, enable you to kind of pursue side hustles or side interests. Uh, it's it's that, that commonality, right? You should go and surround yourself with like-minded people. It's just sound um, generic advice. Um, so the TV station did that to me for an, uh, for an extent. Um, but yeah, I, I I could have done I could have done much more. One one big thing I did was I went to Ghana to coach football at the end of my second year, and that was like a sh- obviously a huge cultural shift. It was the first mm. year they'd done it. Like we stayed with Ghanaian families for like three two to three months, um, and it was like I'm in Ghana alone now coaching football, and like how have I arrived at this point? <laughs> like, so the, the, there was, there's no real support network. Like it's time to be, it's time to be um, single-minded. It's time to be fearless, I guess. Uh, and it's time to make, make the most of the situation. Like, so I, w- I wouldn't have had that opportunity had I not gone to, to university either. And that, mm-hmm. that's one thing, again, like that probably predates like going to New York meant, meant moving to London was easier, but going to Ghana meant that, oh, you know what? Spending three months in New York is going to be a fucking piece of piss in comparison. Mm-hmm. So so you kind of have to, it's all, I guess it's all about momentum. Yeah. Um, I, and I built a sufficient amount of university, but I could have built, you know, much more. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Like, um, I feel like uni can, it make it makes or breaks a lot of people it de- and it depends completely how you throw yourself into it. Mm. For me, I, I started uni at 23. I'm, I'm in my third year now at 25. And um, I, I've, I think of myself on that first day and on, I honestly think I was a more confident person on that first day yeah. because I went in 
I went in not caring about anyone's opinions, but I remember for the first like semester, I'd always be answering questions. I'd always have my hand up. And, and I remember, and people would just look at me in this this obscene way. It's like, like I was in school. It was like I was trying to like rub up a teacher the right way. It was like, no, mm. I'm just fucking paying all this money. I'm trying to get yeah. the most out of it. And sort of subconsciously, I guess my my confidence took a knock on top of that, which is a shame, really. I've, I've only really thought about that recently, which I'm, I'm currently trying to to flip that round again and to, to yeah. build it back up. But um, yeah, I think it can make or break people, but you do have to throw yourself into everything possible. But I think that's a really good point that you made because you, you are naturally going to be a bit more brazen. You've gone into an environment you're like, I mean, it's good that that was your attitude anyway. Like I'm, mm. I'm going to kind of own own this, right? Uh, and then you have to go through that little cycle of, um, oh, it's my attitude or my approach has been met with some resistance. Like now mm. what do I do? And the fact that you're pushing back is 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 the right thing to, to do. Like I think you probably... I suppose it, it's, it sounds you out as a slightly more kind of like emotionally intelligent person that you're aware that that was someone's reaction to you, right? If you if you just gone ahead and steamrolled everyone, yeah, um, true, th- yeah, that that would probably uh, yeah sound you out as, as someone that maybe wasn't receptive to to other people around them. So there's different ways you can like look at that and approach that. Mm. But um, how is it doing your third year then from uh, from home? I assume. Um, it's, it's annoying. I mean, I'm in uni two days every other week. So there there is some face-to-face interaction, but for me, one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm quite big on my own self-development, used to sort of resist it, but now I understand the importance of it. And I've, I've definitely noticed that my motivation has taken a hit working at Mm. home. I like to be around people. I like to be in an environment where that's, that's the time for work. That's the time and the place for me to forget about everything else. The, the, whereas now, like I'm, I'm, you, maybe you're finding this as well. Like the lines are so blurred. Mm. So like you're waking up and you're sort of working where you're eating, and then you're sleeping where you're doing some work at the end of, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah, is that something that that you've struggled with a bit? I think it's, it's a really good point, and I, I'd I'd be lying if I said that. Like at, at first, I sort of thrived on it because mm. it was like in in the office. There's such a stark comparison being on your own and working in the football daily office which at, at times was like a sixth form common room because yeah, it was just a bunch of lads that were it was like the lost boys you know just unruly like people would get their work done and it, that energy would would like definitely help to kind of fuel the culture which built the product right um but but you could probably if we're being honest get done what you got done in eight hours in the office done at four hours uh done in four hours at home so there was that initial kind of burst of like, oh, God, I feel like I'm so efficient. I'm flying. Yeah. Like, um, but that doesn't necessarily, that's not necessarily just a like unequivocal positive. Like you then start to miss the interaction a little bit or mm. you, you can't get that energy by, by, by like proxy by someone, you know, cracking a joke putting a song on like you you do have to be much more disciplined in your own approach um and yeah if if, if i don't like if i find if i don't start the day right uh whether that be making a list whether that be like making going through the motions in the morning making my bed making a coffee doing a couple chores before i then start work like if i if i'm not a little bit more structured with my approach uh, and and more organized i can it, it's it's not a long sort of um 
not long off, you know, oh, I could just stick the Xbox on, play Call of mm-hmm. Duty for a couple of hours and and away we go. But uh but yeah, it's there's there's been challenges working from home, but it's again like a challenge that that that's been good it's been good to sort of explore a different mindset like like you said yourself and and like kind of find ways to bring yourself out of that and 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 to get through it um so so yeah it's it's, it's been challenging but i'm I'm sort of in a, in a kind of weird and perverse way enjoying that challenge mm-hmm. what does a typical day in the work life of chris hamill look like you're the the head of content <laughs> right so uh, head of football, which is an extremely grand title for um, for head essentially what I, what I do now. Yeah, I, I, I just it's a I'm just a producer to, to be perfectly honest. Like it's got to the point now where everyone on football daily is like highly skilled for our for our profession. Let's say um, very self sufficient, very capable guys. Um, at first, it was all about like maintaining standards, driving the product forward, mm-hmm. getting better at presenting, getting better at editing, raising the production values. And, and now being in lockdowns, throwing a few of those things right under the bus, right? So we worked our ass off for two years to have a studio uh, and, and to shoot on a studio or in a studio that we were proud of that where the backdrop wasn't um, a fucking manky old green uh, green screen and where, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't just have a picnic table with some newspapers spread in front of us. We had chairs that we'd bought you know and 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 a set that we'd we'd loosely constructed um but we don't have that now um so that kind of sense of pride has gone a little bit i guess but but my day-to-day in lockdown is is yeah like i said get up go through the motions um i've learned i think it's i've learned it's a little bit a little bit important that's a bit of an oxymoron isn't it it's important not to just get up boot up the computer start my emails like start my day like take a take a beat take five or 10 minutes, like I said, to make a coffee, to maybe even like, it sounds boring, painfully dull, but do the dishes, take take out the bins, like do something, do some life admin before I jump straight into the, into the football. Otherwise it just becomes, you start to neglect everything else. Um, and and yeah, I've, I've, I've been much more militant with my running as well. Like the first three months, it was all about survival it was in survival mode it was how do we get through this as a channel like mm-hmm. the whole industry is going through such a tumultuous time and then it was like shit i haven't been outside in two days or it was like um yeah this isn't this isn't going like i've been here before at the start of football daily this isn't going to end well if i continue to like if we all continue to work ourselves to the bone so like taking an hour uh, or half an hour at lunch or taking an hour to to, to run and go and grab something to eat is 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 great and and you get that time back by not having to commute anyway and and all that sort of shit but yeah it's getting up setting the tone for the day sending out some emails because i think in this period it's important to over communicate so it can feel like you're you're micromanaging people or that you're like telling people how to fucking suck eggs but it's like important to over communicate in it in a lack of like physical presence so it'll be send those emails it will be prepare adequately for a show, like get a show shot, give yourself enough time to to send that over, which is like something not to think of. It's like sending over a fucking Wii transfer file <laughs> that takes four hours because my internet's <laughs> sh- shocking. Um, uh, and, then, and then it's kind of thinking about, you know, what tomorrow looks like or what next month looks like or why is this show underperforming? Um, does this format suit lockdown better and it's it's youtube's such a fluid environment um that 
do you it'd be stupid to think you're going to have a set day or mm-hmm. a set week for longer than a month like it's a, it's a little bit different for so like the guys now that some of the more junior guys they they might have edit transfer talk edit a top 10 editor and I, and I went through that i went through that and like they, they were properties that that i would have edited like relentlessly um at the start but now it's like we've got a template we've got a house style they they stick to that um and they're ambitious guys as well. They're suggesting things here and there. They want to be on screen, uh, and rightly so as well, because it you know only works. They only works when individuals like go above and beyond, really. And that's that's how we've been able to survive. Um, but yeah, now it's now it's like, all right, Chris, three, four years, five years down, like you can't keep acting or working the way you were a year or two years ago, just because that's you find that comfortable like mm. you find it comforting having a basic and full schedule it's now like what does this product look like in a year two years time how do we get better how do we get bigger uh, and I, I don't i think if if you don't have that sense of um like that relentless pursuit of improvement or perfection it's, you're gonna you're gonna get stale real quick yeah yeah i know what you mean do you um I, I imagine it can be quite strenuous almost like you're chasing the content dragon as it were is it like stressful mm. overseeing this scale and quality of content especially in such a fast-paced world like football well now the structure is a little bit different like at first I, I must admit like i wasn't very good at delegating and like i would try and do everything i was doing like fucking like buying new office chairs for people at the same time I was trying to prepare for a show and then like mm. edit a mini documentary as well or like trying to launch a new series while simultaneously doing 10 people's reviews in like in one week and it was it was wasn't good for me and it wasn't good for the channel so I had to learn how to delegate we've got like an excellent I've got an excellent team from we don't, we don't really do top to bottom we've just got an excellent team and you know people are pulling their weight in lockdown you've got We've got rotors for who checks what on what day. You know, everyone's very accountable for their own stuff. So I don't feel the need to like child mind people. You know, I might watch things here and there. Um, just be, I don't know, massage my own ego, make sure it's up to my standards. But mm. um, yeah, it's more so about like, you've kind of caught us at a, at a weird time. It's more so like, right, we've, we've kind of survived lockdown. Some of our rivals haven't. We've been fortunate enough to survive. Like, we're, we're now a bit more robust because we come under the sky umbrella but but what does what does the space want from us now what is going to thrive in the space is this product now old hat like we replaced a bunch of that stuff like and you see younger um like upstarts doing doing really well on the platform is that uh, and they're coming to replace you like make no fucking mistake about it if you don't keep ahead of the game so that's what we're kind of going through right now like maybe a little bit of a cultural transformation but i think that's what lockdown's brought on for loads of people right like the need to kind of uh look within themselves and like and question themselves and, and how that and how they're doing things so i suppose that's been one of the the more positive um ramifications mm-hmm. yeah as a as a consumer of the channel it's it it seems to be like the perfect balance between Almost, it has like a fan channel feel due to its like informality in places, but it has a very journalistic approach. Like there's no rants and raving about fucking centre backs not scoring enough goals and and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> is is there like an overhanging brand value that um, that sort of represents that at Football Daily HQ? 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's, it's a really good question, mate. And we've always tried to, from very early on, um, have a statistical analysis at the heart of, of, of what we do. And that's mm. not, it's, it's basic statistical analysis. It's not like really, really, really granular in-depth stuff because you don't want to alienate the every fan. But we did identify very early on, and I think this is probably what separated us from from some other rivals or other platforms or forms of media that I think the fan was just smarter than than pundits and and mainstream media were were giving them credit for. Like mm-hmm. I think they were ready for more than just kind of top line uh, surface superfluous analysis. Like oh, this player runs with the ball, he takes up a good position there, he shoots, um, and all of a sudden like this, this team are winning. Um, my doorbell's just gone. That's weird. Am I expecting any post? I don't think so. I'm going to ignore it. Um, go, if you, go if you want, mate. Don't worry. No, but do you know what it is? I end up getting my, all my neighbours' parcels for them. Yeah, no, nah, fuck that. You know what? Right, fuck, <laughs> go fuck on. it. This, is, go this isn't going to be for me. I'm going to be go fucking furious. Be a good person. All right, come in. Okay. <laughs> we'll be back very soon, folks. I'm just waiting for Chris Hamill to get the door. Um, not a parcel from me I'm afraid I, I should have thought about that that would have been great I can see myself in his uh, in his Scott Brown in his Scott Brown uh, poster it actually was for me so I've mugged myself <laughs> right <laughs> off there where were we? Uh, we were on um, sort of the difference between Football Daily and your traditional sort of fan style yeah. channel yeah so uh, now I've now I've picked up my parcel let's, let's crack on um <laughs> Yeah, we recognise there's a lot of like sensationalism out there, a lot of a lot of content fueled by drama. And while mm. there's always going to be a place for that, we didn't want that to be about us. Like we wanted to be a little bit more measured, a little bit more professional, I guess. Although there's been some highly unprofessional moments <laughs> littered throughout <laughs> our throughout our existence. Um, there's an out of context <laughs> page for that, isn't there? I think. <laughs> <laughs> and and people responded to that like they responded to to sort of the uh, I, I don't know as trying to be a, a little bit more like, the way i the way i originally kind of um st- started off was let's let's give people like p- pub ammo right let's let's mm-hmm. make them feel like smarter better more well-informed fans and i think people just appreciated that like it wasn't the content wasn't about us like it was always to add value to the audience and it was and and that is something that has remained very central to to our offering, right? Like it's, if the fan's not learning something new, chances are it's not good content. Mm-hmm. I like that. Pub ammo. Yeah, I, I wrote, mm. that, wrote that turn of phrase. Has, um, has the Sky takeover changed too many things? Because it, it does feel like Football Daily were ahead of the curve in, in some aspects. And now we see it quite often these days, like the more traditional channels sort of replicating that fan feel but again yeah. there's like a similar approach but um yeah has, has that changed much yeah like um mainstream media is definitely like we have lost our edge probably because mainstream media mm. has just got much more intelligent and you know maybe sky took some learnings f- from us um particularly i think probably probably with thumbnails how to how yeah. to really sell something on youtube right because <laughs> how YouTubers did it and how the mainstream media did it was was so far out of whack. Um, so yeah, I think they became a little bit more like, well, a lot more intelligent with regards to how to proliferate, how to prosper on on these platforms. And it wasn't necessarily, you know, taking a linear approach, taking a TV approach, and just 
plopping it on the platform. It was like, no, it's, it's his own language. It's its own discipline. And, and, and yeah, now BT, Sky, um, you know, et cetera, do that really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that is something that we have to contend with. Like, otherwise, you know, you, our audience are, are being cannibalized. It's, it's, do I want to watch transfer talk on football daily or do I want to, you know, this, this 15 minute transfer talk on, on sky with, um, some really authoritative, well-informed, smart f- figures on there. It, it, it has become harder for, to get people to kind of consume as much of our of our stuff and that's where we've got to be constantly be you know reinventing and and, and being in it innovative because that's what set us apart originally i guess and um, sky have done nothing but like help professionalize us really like have a more grown-up opinion be well informed don't be don't be personal um you know you know don't don't get your point across at the expense of anyone is what i mean when i say personal yeah um we have obviously had very nice a very nice studio for a couple of years um, uh, and offices, you know, in the centre of London. And now that's all gone. You obviously appreciate it much more. Uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder and all that. But uh, it's it's been great to, to be in that space and see people at the top of their game, you know, do it as well and speak to them and realise where the levels are if you want to attain a certain you know, get to a certain yard, yard stick. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been good. It's, it's been good. Awesome. Um, I hope this isn't a contentious question at all as I'm, I'm not trying to get you in trouble in, in any way, but, but working on such a huge platform like Football Daily, like 1.8 million on just on the main channel. Do you ever feel like an urgency um, to augment your own social value away from these platforms? As in like, Obviously, you do. You have like your own podcast, like with Chimwag. Mm. Is there that? Is that? Does that sit in the back of your minds that you need to grow your old your own following whilst not taking liberties? Because like, or, you know, nothing lasts forever. If you know what I mean? Yes. It's a, again, like a, another good question. Yeah, I think you're always conscious of like how much am I worth as an individual mm. uh, to the larger scheme of things, right? And I think it's it's a difficult one to answer because what what has been central to Football Daily's success has been a bunch of individuals willing to go above and beyond, willing to work themselves in the ground in order to to make this work. But like I said, nothing lasts forever. Those cultural values are only relevant until they're not, right? Like after after Sky took over, you know, it, it was no longer ex- acceptable to pay a bunch of 20-somethings, you know, pittance to, to work themselves to, to the bone. Um, so, so you do have to evolve. Um, when people have or find a degree of success, they will reevaluate their own position naturally, uh, and, and that's that's healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you're not being like, egotistical with it. Like we know that we are more than the sum of our parts. Like people want to watch on Sunday vibes. Me, Joe, Pat speak about football together. Like that doesn't mean that I think I can go and make a football show, do a hundred thousand views a week. Of just me talking about football, like that would just that would just be just just a warped perception of of, of reality. So, I it, it it is difficult to answer. Um, I, I do think yeah, everyone has an awareness of it. I think it helps that everyone goes off and and does their own thing. Like they they should absolutely go and express themselves in a way that they they want to or that they deem fit. Obviously, as long as that aligns with. Mm-hmm. the values of the broader company right like you can't go off and do some fucking shady stuff 
Um, but Zach went and did stuff with Chelsea, for example. Um, Joe, who has always wanted to be a presenter, started presenting on, on Linear with Sky on the Saturday Social. Um, I went and did my podcast. Um, we've all done some stuff with, with the BBC as well. Um, like people at, at Football Daily and Sky have given me room to do more long form content on the channel, for example. So you can be ex- you can be expressive and you can kind of serve your own agenda on the channel as long as it's for the greater good, right? Like lockdown came along, no football. I, I kind of, you know, want to be a documentarian, like interviewing people um, rather than presenting in a, in a traditional sense. And it was like, all right, let's, Let's do a 20-minute video on Adriano because I'm interested in it. I love Brazilian football. I love I love Adriano. Can mm. I make our audience love it? And if I can, I can carry on doing stuff that I love on our channel and sort of like everyone wins. So it is very, it's very nuanced in that way. But if you can find a way, if you can find a way to benefit your employer, um, th- there is there is a way. I'm just going to say yeah. it definitively. There is a way to benefit yourself and your employer simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, simultaneously, you can you can have your cake and eat it to an extent. Like we can now. Um, it's obviously going to be harder for smaller, you know, upstarts that that are, that are coming through and, and stuff like that. But it's, it's a very it's a very good question. But fortunately, everyone is still like, very committed to to the cause. Thinks that Football Daily has a has a long way to gr- go and and a long way to to grow. Sounds a little bit. <laughs> perverse now i've said it out loud but yeah I, I feel like we're still only just getting started you know like we're still making content from our bedrooms like which is not a slight at, at the, the progress of the channel but it's like there's there's some very sharp minds in the channel and, and and they could be they could be shaping content like across the spectrum for for some time to, to come yeah mm-hmm. you've been able to experience a lot of a lot of cool shit since working on the channel is there a is there a highlight for you or or do these moments maybe pass without you being able to f- truly appreciate it because you're you're in that work mode that's definitely an element of that um yeah for sure like i'm, I'm probably not as good as as others as enjoying the moment and it's all about like okay but where does this where does this lead like a good example of that was going to um yeah interview del piero in um indonesia and it's and it's like you know that objectively that is a fucking cool thing to do but then i'm on the trip thinking all right while i'm on this trip how do i get heineken or they own they own san miguel at the time as well i think they still do um how do i get them to sponsor some content like off the back of this how do i secure Football Daily's long-term future, like using this moment as 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 leverage, maybe, or this piece of content as leverage. So it's not like oh, I'm going to kick back and and enjoy the success of like how we've got to this point. Uh, yeah, I can get a little bit obsessive and a little bit. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's counterproductive. It's it's, it's it, I suppose it can be. But but yeah, there's there's this. And, and there's moments that are like really fucking cool, like you say. The the before and after isn't so isn't so fucking cool. Like waiting mm. eight hours to interview Danny Alves in a hotel lobby, like people don't kind of see that side of it. That yeah. that's not cool. Interviewing him, he was an absolute gent, by the way. He'd been in this tiny room, burning up, the most celebrated man in football, most trophies, uh, and he'd been talking to 
big media off for, for hours and hours. We got there, like lovely as you can ask for, smile on his face, joking around with us, trying his best to answer in English. Um, and, and then like, afterwards, you obviously do the interview, you're straight home on the um, Channel Tunnel. And there was like a terrorist threat while we were waiting to get our train. So it was like fucking hell. That, that's that's one way to taint the experience. Um <laughs> So, so yeah, this I think I think I'll probably have a greater appreciation of that stuff uh, when I want to sort of slow down a little bit, or or, mm. or take stock, or evaluate my own position, or something like that. But that's definitely happened a bit more in lockdown. Like I was doing some throwback pictures on my a sort of Instagram timeline. It was like, oh look at when we, you know, we didn't have an we didn't have a clue where we were going with this or what we were doing, and we we somehow got six minutes with Thomas Muller. Like that is that is funny. Like how did mm. that happen? Um, <laughs> and stuff like that so there's been there's been yeah there has been some really cool experiences but particularly india as well go was, was fantastic and, and hopefully there's a lot lot more to, to come as well yeah mm-hmm. you you were talking about there like the the time you were waiting in, in lobbies for hours and hours is that one of many struggles that maybe like the the viewers don't see off camera mm. i'm sure there's a lot of uh, a lot of tension at times to meet deadlines and and things like that yeah i wouldn't call it a struggle like I, it's still a privilege like if mm. I started, yeah. if I if I labelled that a struggle, I'd I'd just be out of touch with reality, wouldn't I? I'd be a proper dickhead. <laughs> um, so, like that, that it's it's boring, um, and and it it's obviously a little bit like, yeah, I think boring is probably the perfect way to sum it up. But it's all it's all part of the 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 bigger picture, like the interview and the, the waiting is is still part of the interview, if you get what I mean. So it's 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 you can't really separate them. Uh, to that degree uh and it's and it's also like all right guys you've got over a million subscribers on youtube but here you are in the wider world like you've been living in your own little bubble in the center of london making all this content feeling like you're the center of the universe but guess what you're like you're the last on this list you're the least important guests here um and you will get whatever time danny wants to give you at the end of the day and you will be happy about it and it's like that's good it's good to sort of swallow that that pill like to 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 it, it keeps you uh oh, this, this flies absolutely getting it um <laughs> yeah you got you got to have that sense of humility mm-hmm. uh, and those kind of things keep you in check so if you're just walking in interviewing and walking out i think you come away from from the experience like as a less well-rounded person i guess mm-hmm. um because i think youtube is quite insular and like i don't really i'm not really like one that someone that wants to be a YouTuber, but like things are now happening with, with obviously KSI and, and Logan Paul, where yeah, it's like- you can't it's ignore been, it. It's just become like, uh, they've obviously kind of fueled this sense that like YouTube is the kind of like center of the media landscape. And and it's very easy, I think, to get, to get caught in that and forget that other things are happening. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Okay. Um, before we move on to the last part of this podcast, I want to know, uh, what sort of player is Chris Hamill? Limited. Limited player. Fucking are, limited. Are we mate. talking like Kim Kalstrom limited or are we talking like, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be delighted with a Kalstrom comparison. Like, I'm distinctly <laughs> average and I've never been anything other, other than that. Like I've made up with some of my deficiencies before with like general decent fitness. Uh, mm-hmm. gee, not when I was playing for football daily, Jesus. No. My fitness was ter- terrible then. Yeah, in those games. Fucking you know. hell. Chasing Paul Merson around. Oh. Like I couldn't even get, like a 50 year old Paul Merson who's like still got it for a, yeah absolutely like knows 
exactly what I'm going to do before I do it and exactly like how to evade me with like half a knee. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, no, I just, I think I probably played my best football Sunday league, like when I got back from university with my friends, just like a team, a team of like boys I'd grown up with who, who were good footballers, but didn't necessarily subscribe to that like football culture, which I still, you know, can find a little bit, bit cringe uh, at, at times. Um, there were just well-rounded people had their own shit going on. Like we, we didn't like go and get absolutely fucking out off a face like every Saturday or Sunday after a game. Like it was, it was all quite nice and civil mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and like playing playing CDM, like covering a back four, being all right with with taking a ball off them and, and just giving it to a better player. Um, but yeah, so e- extremely limited, but uh, but but a bloody bloody trier, mate. That's <laughs> Matthew Flamini, pretty much, but. But that's, comparison. Spot, that's spot on mate <laughs> Flamini who Wenger who Wenger signed because he was like running 14 kilometres a game he was like the only person in Europe that was running 14 kilometres a game oh, uh, what a beautiful man as well um, okay <laughs> um, on to the last part of this podcast we're going to pick up the pace with some quick fireish questions I call them long ball questions because they're straight to the point they're direct are you ready? Nice. go on mate apart from football what are you passionate about? Uh, film uh, TV, um, yeah, producing, mm-hmm. uh, editing. What about outside of that realm, outside of the the media realm? Is is there any passions that, that are burning mm. plants, for example? I can see behind you. There this you is a lovely little number. Um, yeah, my girlfriend buys them, and I end up looking after them. Um, <laughs> I I I'd actually I actually need. I need to be more interesting. I need to be more dynamic. Like I have given myself to to football and to YouTube and to like content for the last five years. And it does come at a uh, slight personal cost in that you are more boring. Um, <laughs> outside, outside of those things. Yeah, I like, I like traveling. I like to, I'd like to do more. I could do a bit of volunteer work. Not enough, by the way. Um, and... I have I have causes that I'm that I'm passionate about, you know, like uh, homelessness, um, and what what else is it? But I mean, I I donate a certain amount of money to charity like, and do one thing a year. That 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 doesn't really qualify me as like someone that does does something about uh, mm. something they think they could feel passionate about. Um, outside of football, outside of media. You've just you've just stripped it all back. It's there. fine. Yeah, it's, I, it's fine I, if that I, is the case, though. I don't want to give you like a really generic answer, though. Like, oh, traveling and yeah, like yeah. reading. And <laughs> no and one's passionate time. about reading, are they? I, I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like the environment. There's, 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 I don't give myself enough time outside of this to to, to le- give you a legitimate answer for that there's, there's mm-hmm. plenty of interests but nothing that i've cultivated into a passion well that leads into my next question do you think you have found your life purpose um i think this i'd like to think of this as a as like a not a, not a step a stepping stone is the wrong phrase but like i see it i can see a pathway from making 10 to 20 minute films about uh, films uh, mini docs whatever about pieces of youtube content about adriano and, and torres and making a feature length documentary about a sporting hero of mine 
if you see what I mean. You know, like Asif Kapadia making those documentaries about Diego Maradona, about Ayrton Senna, about Amy Winehouse. That is content that makes me feel passionate and that inspires me. And it's something that I'd love to replicate. Just not not picking someone apart by their numbers, by how many key passes or shots mm-hmm. they're having per 90. That That's like, that's something I'm interested in, but it's not something that, you know, like, you know, gets that I can feel deep in my plums, mate. It is telling someone's <laughs> story, doing them justice, like showing them like to be a multifaceted, like interesting, fallible person. Like that, that is what I'm interested in. So mm-hmm. I'd like to think that, yeah, I've got a future in, in documentary filmmaking or like the, the equivalent, because that's not necessarily what documentary filmmaking might look like in 20 you know 10 20 years time you know maybe these things will just be on youtube or mm-hmm. you know so on so forth is that what keeps you motivated uh i think pride mainly keeps me motivated like can't you know the idea that you've given less than you could have in that time frame i think being being like remember when i was doing the torres piece uh and there was like louis aragones the, the atletico madrid all-time top goal scorer the, the manager that, that led them to the Euros that sort of started that that kind of, uh, when they won the, the Euros and the World Cup and the Euros again, started that whole chain of event, events off. He he would say to Torres as a young man, like, if you don't play well, it's important that you get angry with yourself rather than sort of relying on someone to be, to be angry for you. Mm. So it's that kind of developing that sense of pride, I guess, and, and having a faith in your ability but also like faith that you're gonna deliver to that to that standard um or insistence rather than faith i guess so so yeah that's that's what keeps me driven like the idea like of underselling yourself i guess Mm -hmm. do you have any fears loads fucking loads mate like (laughs) um i've become really conscious of my health since my dad died um what else What's it? What is it called when you're you constantly think you've got something wrong with you? Hypochondriac. Yeah. Oh God, just come through like a, I, I don't not as much now, but I think my like my answer to my dad passing away was like let's work as hard as you can, as much as you can for as long as you can before like your feelings catch up with you. Mm. Um, and then once you've, I don't know, worked. Well, I've said it. Before, I've said it a few times in the show. Once you've like worked yourself to the bone, you are just kind of left with with those thoughts, feelings, anxieties, doubts. And yeah, I've, I've been a little, I was a little bit unfortunate and I had like a stomach issue for like a year. And um, it, it was, it was weird. I had some like weird bacteria in there. And it was like a, that combination of that. And like, I don't know, maybe IBS or something that was like making me feel like travel sick every day for you. And that kind of really chipped away at me. That made me feel fucking awful. Um, and then I had like daily headaches as well. And instantly I was like, well, clearly I've got a tumor. Clearly I'm on my way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to have like yeah, a couple of CT scans. CT, no, what's the one where you're lying down? MRIs. MRI, yeah. Yeah. And they were just like, you've got, you know, just something called new daily onset headache. Like, would you like to take a tablet every day for the rest of your life? That's going to make you more, less resistant to exercise. I was like, no, fuck that. Um, but found found a way around that. So there's been there's been a few things that I like I've had to contend with, but like I wasn't maybe that I blew out of proportion or or, mm-hmm. or I I 
wasn't as well equipped to deal with because I hadn't maybe processed like fully the like the fact that I'd lost my dad or or how much that had affected my own sense of mortality. Like um I, I suppose like when when you when the the person that is like you grow up, you know, who you perceive as like your last line of defense, right? Uh, when you lose that, that 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 naturally is going to make you feel more vulnerable. But I didn't feel that instantly, and it was like I didn't. Maybe I felt that incrementally and slowly over time, and like it just crept up on me, and I and I didn't I didn't notice. And then that that sort of manifested into everything that was wrong with me, or I felt what was wrong with me was googling, was obsessing over, was letting that distract me from being the best presenter, editor, manager, whatever version of myself that 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 I was or, or could be um and it was it was like having casual conversations about it that, that began to that help i guess or tell it you know telling my girlfriend how i really felt or mm-hmm. i think i think there's a big groundswell of it at the minute of like being able young lads i'm not that young anymore 28 being able to talk to to it like with, with their friends and there being a sense of relief like that that their friends are obviously going through the, the same sort of things and your problems are never quite as like niche or whatever as you, as you feel. Um, yeah, I think there's like a growing acceptance or like a growing sense of like encouragement to like have those conversations with one another, which which is good, which is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, t- t- it's taken me until like my late twenties to to process it in a healthier way for sure. Yeah, I think that's one of one of the biggest tricks your own mind can play on you, whether it's like a, a physical condition or a mental condition, it tricks you into thinking you're a member of this exclusive club. Um, yeah. whereas whereas actually loads of people are part of this club, you just don't know they are until you speak to people about it, right? That's a great way to put it. It's, it's a really good way to put it. Um and like I I guess um pride playing an issue in that as well. Like if you like oh, I, I probably felt that after my dad had like died, I assumed his responsibility or his standing in the family, and like me showing any sort of weakness would be mm. doing him a disservice, or like would be um, unacceptable in the face of my mum or sister's grief or something along those lines. A sense of like nobility, I guess. Uh, and it's not, it's, it's it's just fucking bullshit, isn't it? Uh, really. Mm. Um, I mean, there is holding it together for the people, and, and there is there is an ability to that. Like, I'm, I'm not dis- I'm not dismissing it completely. Like, you know, fucking single mums raising three kids and, and like holding their shit together for the sake of their children. Like, that is of course very, very noble. But like, not sharing that when you can, or or being unwilling to have that conversation because of like a percep- like perception of self like it's yeah it's not it's not helpful it's not constructive mm-hmm. um but yeah i think i think you summed it already nicely yeah okay final question of the day we'll end on a positively reflective note what about yourself are you most proud of ah <laughs> fuck <laughs> um scored a other than, good go a few years ago other than my hair like, other than uh, hair yes uh I often think, and it's see, I have to, I feel like I have to precursor this with, oh, you know, it sounds a little bit soft, <laughs> no, but uh, I'm increasingly grateful for the relationships that I made when I was younger. So, uh, uh, and everyone thinks their friendship group is the best, right? And that's how it should be. Uh, that's absolutely how it should be. 
but like being friends with the same like 15 20 lads having that those relationships endure and then and then thinking about like why why do i have such a good network like why is that endured and then like bringing it back to to my to my dad and like him always letting us in the house you know always being able to use the living room to watch the football or like creating this you know like mecca away from you know life's responsibilities and growing pains and 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 whatever uh, and i think you start to appreciate things like that more like these small decisions that have massive ramifications so yeah would would i've had these relationships that you know, you know, next next year, next year, 2021, there's there's like 25, 30 of us going to South Africa for my best friend's wedding. And um, the fact that that is even happening is something that I'm extremely proud of. Uh, and I, I still don't fully, you know, fully know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, like everyone's remained s- such good friends, but like I've started to think about it a little bit more, like I said. And um, yeah, it's, it's probably stuff like that. And then, and then when you realise that, obviously you want to like, be that person for your for your children as well. Um, so yeah, I'm very proud of the, the the relationships I have in my life. But also, you know, that that comes with probably sacrifice some some friendships because of work as well. So so there's a there's another side to that, right? Like, and I maybe haven't been as attentive or or pruned away at some some relationships um, because of an obsession with work as well. So there's definitely there's definitely another side to that. Um, but yeah, essentially being proud of uh, other other people being nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Chris, I feel like I've eaten into your day off for, for too long now, but I've, I'd just like All to good. thank you so much for coming on. It's been very insightful. And I hope that from your perspective, there's some, maybe some weights off your shoulders to a certain extent. Mate, I, I think uh, excellent interviewer. Some, some oh, great questions you. in there. Some very well thought out. Uh, I'll be uh, I mean. I'll be approaching you soon for a either for a job or for a tagline at some point. But this is what I mean. This is you're a perfect example of um, like this demystifies demystifies the whole thing that you have to go and get screen tested or you have to have an education in interviewing people mm. or or or, or a, you know be well connected to make meaningful content. Like you don't. You just have to have like a passion, uh, a little bit of practice, and perseverance. And 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 here you are, mate. Got your own football kit as well. Bloody outstanding. Yeah, I've got my own shirt here, mate. If I get more of these printed soon, I'll I'll get one sent over. Perfect. All about the freebies, mate. (laughs) No, 25 quid. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah. (laughs) But okay, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Um, To the listener, if you've made it this far, give the channel a bloody subscription, please. Uh, There'll be links down below to go follow Chris's pages as well. Um, Yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Football and Feelings podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.